0: Hold those up so I can see them. It always encourages me when I see that you're holding the word of God. Never take a preacher's word for it. Check it out for yourself in the word of God. Amen. I don't care if Billy Graham raises from the dead and comes up here and preaches on a Sunday. You check what he says. ...with the Word of God. So make sure you have a Bible. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. We've got Frank and Pat, it looks like, coming down the aisles with some Bibles. They'll let you borrow one. If you don't have a Bible of your own, we'll be happy to give you a Bible to take home. As long as you read it, you can have it for free. And uh, secondly, make sure you have those message notes. This is particularly important today because we're going to go through some important stuff I want you to take home with you. You're not going to memorize everything I share with you today. So make sure you have message notes. Raise your hand also if you need a copy of that. If you missed it on the way in, there'll be some blanks to fill in and uh, some space for you to jot down some notes during today's message. Ready to dive into God's word. Amen. So this month we are tackling one of the most important subjects that we as Christians could ever talk about. We are talking about sharing our faith and being soul winners for Jesus Christ. And so uh, this message today is part two in our series Seek and save the lost. Back in 2002, Pastor Rick Warren published a book that was hugely popular. It ended up selling over 50 million copies. It went on to become one of the best-selling non-fiction books of all time. And in that best-selling book, many of you recognize the title, The Purpose-Driven Life, Just like any book, there's some things in it that I'm not crazy about, but there's so much in this book that I absolutely love, especially the beginning and the ending of the book. The beginning, the very first sentence of the first chapter, I think, is one of the most brilliant opening sentences to a first chapter of any book ever written. Four simple words in the first sentence of the first chapter, and it goes like this. It's not about You Isn't that brilliant? What a marvelous way to start a book. I'm gonna keep writing books until God calls me home to heaven I I hope that one of these days. I have an opening sentence. That's that powerful It's not about you From the very beginning pastor Rick makes the case that God placed us here For something beyond ourselves the creator of the universe has placed us here And if you are saved, if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, he has saved you, not just for yourself, but so that you could be a blessing to him, bring glory to him, and lead others to Christ. Amen? That's why you're here. And at the end of the book, I love something. It's not the very end of the book, but very close to it. He shares the story of his dad and what his dad said when he was just hours away from dying of cancer Back in 1999 and I wanted to read this little excerpt for you because I think it's so powerful near the end of Rick Warren's book He writes this about his dad He says my father was a minister for over 50 years Serving in mostly small rural churches He was a simple preacher, but he was a man with a mission His favorite activity was taking teams of volunteers overseas to build church buildings for small congregations In his lifetime, dad built over 150 churches around the world. In 1999, my father died of cancer. In the final week of his life, the disease kept him awake in a semi-conscious state nearly 24 hours a day. As he dreamed, he'd talk out loud about what he was dreaming. Sitting by his bedside, I learned a lot about my dad by just listening to his dreams. He relived one church building project after another. One night, near the end... While my wife, my niece, and I were by his side, dad suddenly became became very active and tried to get out of bed. Of course, he was too weak, and my wife insisted he lay back down, but he persisted in trying to get out of bed. So my wife finally asked, Jimmy, what are you trying to do? He replied, got to save one more for Jesus. Got to save one more for Jesus. Got to save one more for Jesus. He began to repeat that phrase over and over. During the next hour, he said the phrase probably a hundred times. Got to save one more for Jesus. As I sat by his bed with tears flowing down my cheeks, I bowed my head to thank God for my dad's faith. At that moment, dad reached out and placed his frail hand on my head and said, as if commissioning me, save one more for Jesus. Jesus save one more for Jesus. I intend for that to be the theme of the rest of my life. I invite you to consider it as a focus for your life too, because nothing will make a greater difference for eternity. If you want to be used by God, you must care about what God cares about. What he cares about most is the redemption of the people he made. He wants his lost children found. Nothing matters more to God. The cross proves that. I pray that you will always be on the lookout to reach one more for Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Save one more for Jesus. I hope that in my final breaths, I'll have an opportunity to tell my wife and my daughters that I love them one last time. And I hope that with my final breath, I'll have an opportunity to save one more soul for Jesus. That would be awesome. Last week we launched this message series and I shared with you a short video clip from Dr. Adrian Rogers He was a pastor for more than 30 years of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee He passed away in 2005 But before passing he shared this powerful message about the importance of sharing our faith And you probably remember those of you who were here a couple of those quotes. I shared with you from that video He said if you are not endeavoring To bring souls to Christ, you're not right with God. And last week we asked the question, is he right? Is he right? And some of us in our heart of hearts hope he's wrong. But I think in all likelihood he is right. Because when it comes down to it, the number one reason Jesus came to earth in the first place was to save lost souls. And the number one mission that he gave us as his followers before he ascended into heaven was to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The number one mission he gave us before he went back to heaven was go out there and win souls for Jesus and teach him how to follow me well. We quoted Andrew Murray last week. He was a wonderful 19th century pastor and author. He wrote, there are two classes of Christians, soul winners and backsliders You're one or the other. And we asked the question last week, is he right? And really, in all likelihood, the chances are he's right too. Because if souls are what matters most to Jesus, then shouldn't they matter most to those of us who follow Jesus? I'm not quite sure how we can ignore Jesus' top priority and say we're right with him and not in some way slipping away from him. Last week, I shared with you 10 steps to becoming a soul winner instead of a backslider, and most of you, I think, were here last week, and we need to review these because they're so important. I want to keep them before you all month long here in January. Some of you weren't here last week. You'll be hearing these for the first time, so I'm going to go through these very quickly, and if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and catch that message on YouTube or maybe on Facebook or at our website because... These are really important to allow to sink in. Number one, first step to becoming a soul winner instead of a backslider. Pray for yourself. Ask God to give you a burden for lost souls and to choose you to be a soul winner. I want to hear you share these words. If you believe these words, please say this with me. me. Pray for yourself. Ask God to give you a burden for lost souls and to choose you to be a soul winner. Church, you've got to want it. You've got to really, really want it. If you haven't started praying this prayer recently, if you haven't started praying it over the past week, I encourage you to begin praying it today. Oh, God, give me a burden for souls. Give me a passion for reaching the lost. Choose me to lead my family and friends to Christ. One of the most important steps you could ever take to becoming a soul winner is recognizing that you're not passionate about it. Recognizing that you don't have the heart for the lost like you should have a heart for the lost. And you simply go to God humbly and say, change me, God. Give me a heart for the lost that I don't currently have. Number two the second step to becoming a soul winner you got to pray for others We can't just pray for ourselves. We have to pray for others Pray by name for the salvation of people, you know who need christ. I hope that many of you began doing this this last week I've got a number of names. I pray for every single night praying for those family members friends I try to pray for president biden vice president harris governor newsom every single night And it's not because we have a democrat in the white house I prayed all the time for trump to be saved as well when he was in the white house our leaders need Jesus Christ. Pray for them by name. And I shared with you last week that God was touching, on, my, laying on my heart this, this insight from Revelation that as we pray, our prayers are like living incense before the throne of God in heaven. And so I want the names of my friends who need Christ and the family members I know who need Christ and our president and vice president and governor and anyone else, I want their names living in the presence of God at his throne in heaven. Take their names and... Pray them, and they will live before the Lord in heaven, those names. And you better believe that a prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Step number three, memorize a few strategic Bible verses. These are the five I mentioned to you last week. The second of these, Romans 6.23, a little bit later in this message today, you'll see how vital that one is. Just that verse by itself you can use to lead someone to Christ. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our lord hide those verses in your mind and heart step number four learn a simple Clear gospel presentation and practice sharing it got good news for you We'll learn that simple gospel presentation this morning together number five Always be packing gospel tracks church invitations a good christian book or a link to a website I think all of you got on the way in a little soul winning pack is what I call it Did you get a little soul winning pack on the way in? Everyone should have one of these if our greeters didn't get them to you, let us know We'll get you one we've got on here. Holly prepared these for us this last week Two little invitations to impact and two of those gospel tracks I mentioned to you last week that we would have for you this morning. I love these little gospel tracks It's in the form of a little comic strip. So it's not just good for adults and teens kids can read it as well And it's an engaging creative way to share a clear gospel message And you can simply give this to someone and say, you know what? I came across these this last week. I got one at church. I thought it was really entertaining, and it really got me thinking. I'd love for you to read it. and Tell me what you think about it. It could be as simple as that. So I want you to keep these on hand. I mentioned to you last week, we always have to be packing. And I was kicking myself 24 hours later because Monday morning, I was sitting in the waiting room of a dentist office here in Victorville, and I was striking up a conversation with a guy sitting next to me. He was probably late 20s, had his son with him coming to get his teeth cleaned. His son was maybe seven or eight. And the guy somehow started talking about having another child. And he was telling me, you know what, I'd kind of like to have another kid. But my girlfriend left my son and me when he was six months old And so open door I says well, you know what something that might work better for you I find that god's way, you know works a lot better number one You find a woman you want to spend the rest of your life with you get married And number two you have sex after you get married And then number three you have a child with the woman you're spending the rest of your life with and the way he was looking at me it was clear he had never heard someone tell him this before. And he was hanging on to my every word. It wasn't one of those standoffish type reaction. He was hanging on every word and he was soaking it in like a sponge. No one evidently had ever told him this. And so I grabbed my wallet a few minutes later and reached in for an invitation to invite him to church and I didn't have any. I just got through telling you, fine, folks, 24 hours earlier, make sure you're always packing. I had given my last one to a guy in the Walmart parking lot about an hour earlier, and I didn't have an extra one. I only was prepared that day to share Christ with one person. Shame on me. Don't make the mistake I made. Be packing. That's why we gave you more than one. Have these in your back pocket, guys, or in your wallet. Ladies, put these in your purse. Put them in the glove compartment of your car. Be ready because if you allow yourself to be ready, God will give you opportunities to point people to Christ. Amen? Please don't make the mistake I made. Make sure you're packing. We've got plenty of extras in the lobby. I started you with a starter pack, just two and two. Grab extras on the way out today. We've got plenty. We'll order more if we need to. Next one here, number six, the sixth step, live a consistent Christian life. Remember to humbly love, learn, and serve in plain view of others. Remember, they don't want to hear you talk about heaven if they see that you live like hell. You have no credibility if you live like hell. Make sure you live a consistent Christian example. Make Christ attractive by the way that you live before you ever start talking to them specifically about Jesus. Number seven, be intentional about building relationships with non-Christians and take the initiative to steer conversations to Christ. Notice those key words. You may want to circle them on your handout. Intentional and initiative. Two very important words there. Jesus didn't say open the doors of the church and invite them to come So you can make disciples of all nations. What did Jesus say? He said go. He has given us the responsibility to take the initiative. Don't wait for someone to bring up. Hey, can I come to church with you this Sunday? Good chance that will never happen. You need to reach out and say, hey, would you like to come to church with me this Sunday? Amen. Number eight. Post gospel-centered content on social media. Don't just post feel-good Bible verses. Post scriptures that issue a clear call to Christ and share links to some of the excellent gospel-centered content available online, especially for those of you who are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Make sure those of you who are on social media, you use that as an open door to introduce people to the gospel. Amen? Some of you in the room are tech-savvy. You can navigate the internet. At at, at twice the speed that I can if you are tech savvy, especially use some of those wonderful resources Online to point people to christ number nine bring at least one non-christian with you to church every month this year Some of you may have done that today already. I won't ask for a show of hands We don't need you to show off today But make sure you're doing this every month invite someone to church and with that little starter pack we gave you today Use those invitations. Don't just invite, but actually bring them with you. If you have an empty seat in your car, offer to give a friend or family member a ride. Finally, number 10, two by two, work together with one other soul winner to carry out these prior nine steps. If you were not here last week, I gave everyone the challenge to not do these first nine steps alone. And so we asked for a show of hands last week. Hey, who's ready to do this? Hands went up and people started linking up with one other fellow soul winner in this church. So if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to grab one person before you leave today. If you're married to a Christian, your spouse is your your best bet. Do it together, husbands and wives. If your spouse isn't saved... We encourage boy-boy, girl-girl. Guys, grab another guy to be your soul-winning buddy this year. Ladies, grab another lady to be your soul-winning partner this year. And together, you will be more effective in leading people to Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, let's open our key passage today. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. This is such an important passage because here, Jesus gives us a four-step process for preparing the soil for someone to hear the gospel some people wonder did jesus ever give us a step-by-step process for leading someone to christ and the answer is yes he does it here in chapter 10 as he sends out 70 of his followers out into the towns ahead of him to lead people to christ and so here we are in luke chapter 10 beginning in verse 1 please say amen if you're there here we go beginning in verse 1 after this the lord appointed 72 others And sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Amen. May God bless us as we study his word together today. Well, in the prior chapter, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent out 12, uh, his 12 apostles to do much the same thing that he sends these 72 out to do. Here in chapter ten. So back there in chapter nine, we read early in the chapter, he sends out his twelve apostles. They're going into the towns ahead of where Jesus is, preparing the way for Jesus to come to those towns. He sends them out two by two. He gives them power to drive out demons, to heal the sick, and to preach that the kingdom of God is near them. And so those twelve go out. They have just absolutely miraculous results. They come back all excited about what Jesus had done through them as they went two by two into the those towns. And here at the top of chapter 10, Jesus appoints another, it says, 72. Now, there's a slight variance in the early Greek translations of Luke chapter 10. About half of the English translations you look at will say that Jesus sent out 72. The other half will say he sent out 70. So which is it, 70 or 72? Uh, The answer really is both. Because in all likelihood, Jesus sent out his 12 apostles again. He was sending out 70. In all likelihood, he sent the 12 with them. So at the very least, there were 82 82 total going out ahead of Jesus. And so 70 or 72, we don't know for sure. My hunch is that the new number was 70. Because Jesus was always very strategic when he chose a specific number. Because numbers were very important in Israel. And in Scripture, in the whole Bible, we find that certain numbers are repeated over and over again, and those numbers have significance, uh, much beyond any significance we would see as English speaking Americans. For example, the number 12 we find repeated in Scripture. Uh, there were 12 sons of Jacob, remember? And 12 tribes of Israel. And so Jesus was strategic when he chose 12 apostles, he chose 12 for a reason 12 tribes of Israel. 12 apostles to carry out his mission of salvation to all of israel amen and then when god wanted to reach the gentiles He chose a 13th apostle paul to reach the gentiles amen And so 12 is very significant 70 is another significant number Moses you may remember when he was taking the the 1 million plus israelites through the wilderness to the promised land He chose 70 men to be under leaders to help to lead the people on the way to the promised land. So 70 was significant. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court, the Supreme Court in Israel, they had 70 members, 70 leaders on the Sanhedrin. 70 is repeated also in the book of Revelation. Another interesting thing, I think, that applies to the number Jesus chose here, the Jews in his day believed there were 70 nations on earth. 70 nations on earth. So I believe Jesus strategically picked 70 men to go out two by two into these surrounding towns to represent that he is going to commission his followers to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Amen. Every man, every woman, every child should be given an opportunity to hear the good news about salvation in Jesus Christ. Well, whether it was 70 or 72, he sends them out here two by two. Look at verse 2 again here in Luke 10. Jesus says to them before he sends them out, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I like how the contemporary English version translates verse 2. It says it this way, if we can get that on the screen. He said to them, A large crop is in the fields, but there are only a few workers. Ask the Lord in charge of the harvest to send out workers to bring it in. That's pretty clear, isn't it? There's a lot of people out there who need Jesus. Pray that God would raise up more workers. What's he saying? He's basically saying there's a lot of work to do, right? There's a lot of work to do. There are thousands upon thousands of people who are ready to accept Christ and be saved if someone can reach them. But at this time, I don't have enough soul winners to reach them. So start praying immediately for God to raise up and send out more workers into the harvest fields. Amen? Pray to God to raise up and send out more workers to reach those that need Christ. That's pretty important. That's a great prayer to be praying. God, raise up and send out more because there's too many people out there for just a few evangelists to reach. But look at verse 3. Jesus on the heels of saying, pray for more workers, says, go. I am sending you. I've always found that very interesting. Pray for more workers. Congratulations, I'm about to answer that prayer. Go get them. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. On any given day here in America, there are more souls lost than there are souls saved. And there's a reason for that. At a national level, at a state level, at a local level, even at our neighborhood or household level, there are more souls lost than saved because many Christians refuse to be Jesus' answer to their own prayer. That's the reason. We refuse to be Jesus' answer to our own prayer. Do you want your kids to be saved? Do you? Grandparents, do you want your grandkids to be saved? Fantastic. Do you want your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends to be saved? That's wonderful. Jesus says, I want the same thing. Go get them. I'm sending you. There are far too many Christians in our nation who want people to come to Jesus. They want their family to be saved. They want their friends to come to Christ. But for some reason, they don't realize Jesus turns around and says, great, I want the same thing. I'm sending you. For some reason, that doesn't sink in or... We just don't allow it to sink in. Ask God to soften hard hearts. Ask God to open closed minds. Ask God to raise up someone to tell those you know who need Christ about Christ and invite them to make a decision for Christ and then go. Tell them. Invite them. Lead them to Christ. Our God is a God who answers prayer, isn't he? We believe that. We say amen to that quite often. I notice there are fewer amens to that right now. Our God is a God who answers prayer, right? And all along, he's been ready and willing to answer that prayer for the salvation of those you know. And the blockade to him answering that prayer was you and me. We have kept him from answering that prayer because we refuse to be the one to answer that prayer. He says that he is sending his followers. But notice in verse 3, he doesn't say it's going to be easy. He says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I don't know about you, but to me, this doesn't look too safe. (laughs) So that was an expression used by Jewish people in his day to say this is not popular work. This, in some cases, is dangerous work. Jesus is saying, in essence, you've got your work cut out for you. Being a soul winner won't be a walk in the park. It is hard work. In some cases, it is dangerous work. But I will be with you. And when all is said and done, it will be so worth it. Lives will be transformed by the power of the gospel and souls will be saved. In verses 5 through 9, Jesus gives these 70 soul winners a powerful four-step process For leading someone to the point where they can hear the gospel and respond to it. You might call these four steps to preparing the soil of your friends and family and neighbors to receive the gospel. Here's that four-step process. It's not complicated. It's quite simple. Step number one, we find, I believe, in verse five is prayer. Make sure you jot that down in your handout. Step one is prayer. You look at verse five and you say, Dane, I don't see anything about prayer in verse five. Well, what does Jesus say in verse 5? He says, go and speak peace to the home. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If a man of peace is not there, the peace will return to you. What's he saying? I think in essence he's saying, you've got to make sure you're praying for those folks. The first thing you do is you bring God into the situation before you even open your mouth. You pray for them. You pray for them. that's step one. We've talked about that with the first two steps of the ten I gave you earlier. Step number two, I believe we find in verses 7 through 8, I use the word fellowship here. Notice what he says in verses 7 and 8. You go into a house, if a man of peace is there and they receive you in, eat what is set before you. He says that actually twice. Eat what is put before you. So what's he telling them? If you go into a house and it's a man of peace that's willing to take you in and they sit you down at the dinner table and they bring their best meal of all to you. And you look down at the plate and you realize it's canned SpaghettiOs. I don't know about you, but I do not like SpaghettiOs. Jesus is telling these 70 guys, you do not say thank you for your hospitality. Stand up and walk out and go to the next door neighbor who cooks better. Right? He says, you don't leave that SpaghettiOs there and go out to the next house where they feed you better. He says, no, 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 this is not about you. This is about them. If you hate SpaghettiOs, you eat them anyway. You eat what's set before you. What a wonderful lesson. I like to use the word fellowship. Most of the time in the church when we use the term fellowship, we're talking about Christians having partnership and building relationships together. Amen? Because we're on the same page with Jesus. So I use fellowship in a slightly different way here. When I talk about fellowship, I'm talking about building relationships over meals with those who need christ amen that's step two you pray for them and then you build relationships with them ideally over food because that's one of the best ways for people to open up when you have some food in front of you even if it is spaghetti step number three we find in verse nine i like to call it agape love what is jesus saying he's saying i'm giving you power to drive out demons and to heal the sick that's what he gave these 72 the ability to do. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure Jesus hasn't given me that power. Uh, I'm not going around town effectively driving out demons and healing people who are on their deathbed dying of cancer. If I had that gift, I would love it because I would go down the hill this afternoon and save my blessed father-in-law from his brain cancer right now. To my knowledge, I do not have that gift. So what is Jesus saying? I want to suggest to you that step three Jesus is communicating an underlying principle. In their case, they were healing lepers. They were cleansing the sick. They were uh, driving out demons. But the underlying principle is you find a need and meet it. Amen? You find a need and meet it. You pray for that family. You sit down and build relationships with that family. And if a need arises that you can meet, meet the stinking need as quickly as possible. So if you don't have the ability to drive out demons and heal the sick, you may be sitting down having a meal with a a Christian that doesn't know or a person that doesn't know Christ. And you find out, you know what, they're being kicked out of their apartment and they don't have a U-Haul. Maybe you go out and rent them a U-Haul. You find out that a senior, her, her back's hurting her. She can't rake the leaves in her front yard. You show up with a rake and a trash can and you rake the leaves in her front yard. You find out they're out of food in the refrigerator. Maybe you go over to Stater Brothers or Winco and you get them a few bag of groceries. Whatever that need is that you discover as you're fellowshipping with them, do your very best to meet the need. And I want to tell you, church, if you come across a need that someone has that you're trying to lead to Christ and you do not personally have the ability to meet that need, please call the church office and let us know and we'll try to get together some people that can help you help that person's need. Amen? Let's do this together. Step three. Show agape love. Agape love, remember, is Christ-like sacrificial love. You don't expect anything in return. You never expect them to pay you back for what you do. You do it because you follow Christ and you care about them. Finally, step number four we find in verse 9. He says it this way. Tell them the kingdom of God is near you. We say it this way. You share the gospel message. You share the gospel message. Once you've prayed for them, once you've built a relationship with them and fellowship with them, once you begin to meet some of their felt needs, They are at a place where you can share the good news of Jesus with them. Well, I promised you that I would teach you a simple gospel presentation today, and I do intend to do that right now. Uh, I used to spend six to eight weeks teaching people in our church how to share their faith. But what I discovered very quickly is most Christians didn't want to show up for six to eight weeks to learn how to share their faith. So in recent years, I've been teaching Christians here at Impact a much simpler way to share their faith that they can learn very quickly And they can share very quickly on the heels of learning it. And so one of the best illustrations I've come across, one of the best methods for sharing Christ in a short amount of time effectively is what we call the bridge illustration. And this is what the the final illustration can look like. When you do this, it probably won't have so many words on the page. But what I love about this is you can do it, uh, those of you that teach a Sunday school class or teach the kids, you can do this on a dry erase board uh, with a group of kids in front of you. Uh, You can do this on a scrap piece of paper. Uh, You can do this on a napkin at a restaurant. I like to call this napkin evangelism. Because this little illustration can be done very effectively with adults, teens, or even kids. And so I want to, for the sake of time, let another pastor share very quickly through this video how you can do this on a napkin, sharing the bridge illustration leading someone to Christ.
1: So often when I'm explaining the gospel to people, I've found a couple of illustrations that are really helpful. Um, One of them, and you can write these out just on napkins, like if you're out at a restaurant, is called the bridge illustration. And it goes something like this, that between us and God, there's a separation. And the reason for that separation is our sin. And there may be a couple of verses that would be helpful to memorize if you're given this illustration. One of them is Romans 3.23, which says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the idea of this verse, if you just think about it with regards to your own life, we fall short of our own standards. I can't even live up to my standards for myself much less God's standards and the idea is that we fall short of the standards that God has for us and because of that in our relationship with him the Bible tells us that there's a separation now how do we overcome this separation that's the point of the gospel and there are a lot of religions or religious ideas or just personal ideas that people have that say this that I'm going to just try by my own power to in some way or another overcome this separation. So I'll pray more, I'll do good works for God, but the problem is, uh, and this might be another verse that you memorize, Romans 6.23, which says this, that the wages of sin is death. The problem is that no matter how many good things we try to do, we keep on sinning. Uh, we don't live up to our standards, and the Bible clearly says that that sin, the wages of it, is Debt, and so no matter how many good things we do we just can't overcome the fact that we have built up a debt for which we must die and so the bible says that god has overcome this separation for us what we couldn't do ourselves um, god has done through jesus christ and jesus paid the penalty of our sin he died the death that we deserved in order that we could be with god And so it's Jesus that has bridged this separation between us and God that was caused by our sin.
0: See, not complicated, right? Let's put up that next slide here. So basically you start out on your napkin or your piece of paper. And I think it is more effective and it will help jog your memory in the middle of this if you write out that Romans 6.23 verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice certain key words are circled. You can just start left to right and circle key words as you're sharing this presentation. So this is kind of like your cheat sheet. If you memorize Romans 6.23, write it at the top of your napkin as you're talking to your friend or family member. You can refer to it and they can refer to it. You start out with man on one side and God on the other. God created us to be with him, right? That's the Garden of Eden. Talk about that if you want. Perfect paradise on earth. God and man walk together side by side. But sadly, Adam and Eve sinned. And since that time, every human who's ever lived, including you and me, has sinned. And has created this Grand Canyon. And so you can go ahead and show that separation now between man and God. It's a Grand Canyon. So many people think that if they're good enough or if they're religious enough... They can jump over the Grand Canyon from their side to God's side. What happens if the world record holder in the long jump tries to jump over the Grand Canyon? You could have Olympic gold ten times over and you're still going to go splat in the bottom of the canyon, right? We can't bridge the gap. And so God created us to be with him. But our sins separate us from God. And sins cannot be removed by good deeds, but paying the price for sin... Jesus died and rose again. You write the cross, our bridge to God. Everyone, how do we get to God's side through Christ? Well, everyone who trusts in Christ has eternal life. And life that's eternal means we'll be with God forever. You put up that next slide here. I've just shared with you what gospel means. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord has eternal life. And life that's eternal means we'll be with Jesus forever. And so if you kind of hide this in your mind and heart, keep that bridge illustration in mind. and Romans 6.23 in mind, you can effectively share in under three minutes the gospel presentation with a family member or friend. you believe you could do this? Absolutely, you can some of you say i'm not sure if I could do this yet great We've got something for you a soul winning clinic this wednesday and next So you'll get an opportunity to practice sharing that with others now the gospel is so critical Here's the number one mistake that christians make when they're sharing their faith They'll share maybe a message like this and they forget the most important part Asking for a decision And so you need to ask two questions after you share something like the bridge illustration. This first question, very important. Does this make sense to you? Okay. If something doesn't make sense, well, why does sin separate us from God? You may need to just go back and explain it a little more. And once you get that yes, yes, it does make sense. The second question is critical. Are you ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord right now? Most Christians miss that. They chicken out. I like to think of it like someone who earns their living and pays their bills as a car salesman. You would never, as a car salesman, invite someone onto your lot and show them the best car that gives you the best return on their purchase as a salesman. You get this wonderful kickback if you sell this vehicle. You show them the vehicle. You tell them about all the benefits of the vehicle. You let them test drive the vehicle. And as soon as they bring that vehicle back to the lot after the test drive, you pat them on the back and say, have a nice day, and you turn around and walk off. No, you close the sale. And sometimes, well, are you saying that leading people to Jesus is, is like being a salesman? Yeah, it is. But here's the thing. Any product you've ever had peddled on you by a salesman is going to burn one of these days, right? Jesus Christ is not a product. He's the greatest thing in the universe. And you're leading someone to the greatest being who's ever lived, who ever will live. Jesus Christ, our Savior, close the sale. Are you ready to accept Jesus as your Savior? If so, and they say yes, you take a big gulp. I didn't know they were going to say yes, Lord, but praise God. You're saying to yourself and you're you're quietly praying under your breath, God, give me the words to say. You can lead them in a prayer. Don't forget the abc's one of the reasons I share this at the end of just about every service you come to here at impact Is not just for those in the crowd who need to accept christ I share it for those of you who have already accepted christ. I want to say it so often You memorize it even without trying do not forget the abc's a Admit that you are a sinner And you need jesus B Believe that jesus died on the cross for your sins and he's your only way to be forgiven and saved and c Choose to begin following him today. Many of you have memorized the ABCs even without trying. You thought I was sharing this for someone else, but largely I was sharing it for you. So that when God puts you in that opportunity, you could share this same thing. If they are ready to share those ABCs or or take hold of those ABCs, you can lead them in a prayer. You might want to say, hey, can I give my pastor a quick call? Because when someone makes a decision to accept Christ, we find in the Bible they're baptized as soon as possible. You ready? Well, let's set up a time for you to get baptized. Can we call the pastor? I want to tell him the good news that you've decided to accept Jesus. And we can talk to him and set up a time to be baptized real quick. And the person says sure and so give us a call at the office and and we can come to you if need be Or we can bring your friend or family member here and we'll get them baptized We'll get them plugged into a church remember the church is like an incubator for almost christians and and baby christians Where they can be surrounded by support and love and prayer and grow in their new faith And so let's do this thing together this year Let's do this thing together this week You can do this Jesus said, you can do this. Pray for them by name. Build relationships with them. Eat meals with them. Meet those needs as those needs arise. Show them the agape love of Jesus Christ. And be bold enough to be used by God. To lead them to the point of decision. And we are here to help you. Every step of the way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. Thank you for giving us so much meat today. Early in this message, you reminded us from Pastor Rick Warren that it's not about us. It's not about me. Lord, you put me on this planet and you saved me so that I could bring glory to you by leading other lost children to you. Help us, Lord, to carry out that greatest mission you've given us here on earth. You didn't just save us and snatch us up to heaven immediately. You left us here to make an impact. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us from Pastor Rick's dad that even with our final breath, there's nothing better we could do than save one more soul for Jesus. Help us to do that for your glory. Give us boldness. Give us conviction. Give us passion for pointing people to you. And as we go through these steps, oh God, as we love those with agape love, as we build relationships with them, and as we lead them through a gospel presentation, we will leave the results up to you. Some will accept Christ. Others won't. But we put the results in your hands. But please find us faithful. To do our part in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'll be kind of sad if not too many show up on Wednesday because I know we all need practice with this, and please, let's make this a priority. A pastor told me years ago Dane, every resource we need is in the harvest. If we will lead our community to Christ, God, through that effort, will meet every need. That This church ever has As we're faithful to sharing Sharing our faith and leading people to him God will take care of all the rest Amen He's good and he's faithful If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ One more time I want to share those ABC's with you You need to admit that you're a sinner Believe that Jesus died for your sins And see choose to accept him today As your Savior and Lord Daniel's going to be up here a little later Caesar if you'd be up you come forward, let us know if we can pray with you or talk to you about accepting Christ or if you accepted him at some point but for whatever reason weren't ever baptized. You need to be baptized. Jesus didn't give it as an option, he commands it. So we have a baptistry right here behind the drum set. We'll baptize you this morning before you leave if you have that need. So let us know if we can pray for you or help you with that decision for Christ. Now this has been a, a heavy, hard-hitting message, so we're going to sweeten the deal for you. We've got like 150 donuts there in the fellowship hall. So uh, please, we had a bunch of uh, donuts donated from Krispy Kremes, thanks to those of you who brought them over to us from Krispy Kremes over the last uh, day or two. And uh, so you can grab them in the fellowship hall If you are in a hurry and have to get home but would like to take some donuts home to your family, we do even have some boxes that are unopened with some donuts from Krispy Kremes. You can take a box home if that will be a blessing to your family. So I hope you'll stay for a few minutes and grab some donuts. Don't forget to sign up for the community cleanup day. First-time visitors, grab your gift at the back table. We are so glad that you are here today. If you need more gospel tracts or you need some invitations to church, we've got extras in the lobby. God bless you. We'll see you next time.